here and welcome back to the Books and Water podcast. Books and Water podcast, we'll have to show about property for those interested in property. I think if you own a house or a flat or either are selling a flat or buying or renting property, investing in property or, or working in the property field, then this show certainly is for you. Who am I? Well, my name's Jonathan Williams. Um, I've got uh, 20 years experience in the legal field. I'm a solicitor of 20 years or so standing, so please don't hold that against me. Uh, And I'm going to be your host for the next 30 minutes, taking you through the Bricks and Mortar podcast. The podcast is a fortnightly show. Uh, One week we'll cover uh, an aspect of the property market through an A to Z uh, last time we did uh, something about alterations and this show I'm going to be doing something about the buy-to-let market. The following show is an interview type show and uh, during that show I'll interview someone in the property sphere. So um, if you're listening to this and you're an estate agent, a broker, or you're just interested in buying or selling property, an investor, then please uh, get in touch with me and uh, we'd be delighted to get you onto the show. So how can you contact me? Well, I'll give you the usual um, contact details. That is the email address. You can get me at jga374 at gmail.com that's jgaw374 at gmail.com why not join our facebook page just go on to the search bar on facebook and type in bricks and mortar and you will come across our facebook page so you can join that um, i'm on the twitters so it's j williams gg that's the twitter handle and of course you can get me on linkedin as well Um, If you join me on LinkedIn, you'll see a number of blogs that I post on pretty much a weekly basis. The blogs can be found on the website for the podcast, and I'll give you the details for that. The podcast website is www.thebricksandmortarpodcast, and what you'll see there is you'll have the podcast themselves, but also you'll have a weekly blog post that I do. So that's all the T's and C's and the contact details. So I think what we should do is get on with the show. Uh, As I say, this show is going to be based around an aspect of the property market. And we're into B. B is for buy to let. So let's get on with the show. So we're on to buy to let. Now, I'm probably going to take about half an hour or so talking about buy to lets. And what I'm going to talk about here is finding your buy to let property. We'll do a bit of intro to begin with, then on to finding your buy to let property, the funding of your buy to let property, legals, what are the do's and don'ts on the legal side, and then lettings, which is really do you do it yourself or do you get somebody in to help you? Let's talk about intro first of all, buy to lets. Well, buy to lets is not a property that you're going to be living in. It's a property, obviously, that you are going to be letting out, i.e. renting for money. 
why would you do that? You're probably wanting to do it for an investment purpose. A lot of people are thinking of now doing buy-to-let investments as a pension provision, given the issues surrounding the pension fiascos in the early 2000s. Personally, I got into letting of property on the back of probably pension side of things. I remember back when I was at a previous firm of McDonald's, a senior partner there, asked me what I was doing for my retirement and I said really hadn't made too much of a provision but I was interested in, in investing. And he said, well, the most important thing that you need to do when you are deciding what to invest in is invest in something that you know something about. He was uh, mad keen on the horses, bought a couple of horses and um, did pretty well out of that. I recall in fact that he was an online bookmaker doing his tic-tac at uh, down at air races. He always used to go down to air races and, and do some tic-tac there. So horses was his thing and he made his investment out of horses. What do I do? What do I know? Well, buying and selling of properties. So that's why I got into that. And at the time, Back in the early 2000s, it was a pretty easy game to get into. You needed to get your 25% and then off you went. Went to the bank, got your 75% loan and uh, hoped that you were able to find a tenant. So buy to lets really have come in back into to vogue, I think, uh, very much on the back of the government. Um, the government has, I think, now seen that buy-to-let investments are, are no longer a bit part player in the economy and as with all things that get too big for their boots or too successful, the government have started to take a keen interest in them. I think for many years uh, buy-to-let investment has been off the government radar and as a result has been able to keep all the tax breaks. I don't think that that's going to remain for too much longer. The tax breaks are going to be uh, very much reduced in the coming years and certainly down in England they have decided that for any property which is in excess of £40,000 and you're buying it as a second property then you will be in a situation where you'll have to pay uh, I think it's 3% stamp duty. Not sure whether or not that's going to come up to Scotland but if Nicola Sturgeon and her uh, Sturgeon then uh, undoubtedly they will get their hands on deciding that they will raise the tax threshold as far as stamp duty is concerned. I think that'll have a detrimental effect on the market, um, but time will see as to why, when or indeed if that comes in. Funding certainly became easier. I think that was one of the reasons why buy-to-let became so popular. Uh, I think before the crash of 2007, you were looking at many of the lenders coming off the 25% loan-to-value threshold and coming down as much as, as 15 and even, I think I, I recall seeing something around about 10%. So if you got wanted to get into the market, then all you needed was a 10 to percent deposit those days clearly have gone and, and you're now anywhere between 25 and uh, 30 percent loan to value so you need to find 25 percent of uh, a deposit the other thing that uh, made the buy to let seem very popular was uh, television shows such as under the hammer 
Siri Bina Bini coming to the fore on her show and of course uh, location, location, location um, I think that unless you've got your head in the sand uh, you certainly will know of the two presenters doing location, location, location so that's a bit about the introduction to buy to let's uh, become very popular and uh, certainly I think is going to be increasing popularity so if you wanted to dip your toe into the buy to let market then you're going to have to find your property the most important thing I think you've got to remember is that you're not going to be living in the property um, a lot of people fall foul of that and they decide that uh, they buy a property thinking they're going to be living in it. That's the worst decision that you can make. You are not going to be living in it and as such you do not want to be kitting it out to anything like um, uh, what you would expect in terms of if you were living in the property, um, do not kit it out with high-end equipment because ultimately it's tenants um, and if you've ever hired a car you'll know what I mean because people will treat a hired car a lot differently than they would uh, a, a, a car that they own. Where do you need to buy? Again, it's important thing to buy near where there are likely to be people who want to rent. So you're looking at hospitals, uh, universities, school catchment areas are all uh, areas where you should be looking to try and buy property close to. When you decide to buy a property, you either go down the yield route or the capital route, uh, capital growth route, that probably needs a wee bit of explanation. Yield, uh, what are we talking about there? Well, yield is you're more interested in a high rent against the uh, funds that are being paid out on a monthly basis, so you're making more of a monthly profit. Capital growth is obvious that you buy low and you watch the increase uh, the property increase in value you then sell up and then you do the same thing again uh, the ideal obviously is to get yield and capital growth but generally it's one or the other as far as when you buy or where you buy property uh, clearly the poorer quality areas you're probably going to get a better yield because you'll get a better price initially to buy the property uh, you will get better capital growth in the better areas because there'll be more demand for that type of property. It's a fairly straightforward and, and easy equation. You certainly don't want to be paying over odds, over the odds for the property. Uh, most important is to make sure that you get the property as cheap as possible because ultimately the more that you pay, then the more that you're going to have to charge or interest especially if you are getting a mortgage the numbers have to add up and again that's something that when you're buying a property to live in that's not necessarily the most important thing but it is absolutely vital the numbers need to stack up and so far as you, your rent that you're charging needs to be higher than the interest that you are going to be charged by the bank if it doesn't work at a particular price then you walk away you need to run this as a business because I've seen far too many clients of mine in the past who have bought properties intended to rent them out and not doing their homework as far as what rents they're going to be achieving you have to do your 
homework on this. You need to talk to estate agents. You need to talk to letting agents. You need to know and get your, your, your prices right because ultimately it's a business or a small business that you could be running. I need to make sure that you get that all correct. So once you've done the funding, finding rather, then you're on to the other F, which is funding. How the hell are you going to be able to afford to buy a second property? The main difference as far as mortgages are concerned is on the LTV, which is the loan to value. You're probably looking at, uh, certainly nowadays, you need to find 25%. You need to put down 25%. So you need a deposit of 25% back in the heady days pre-Northern Rock crash. As I say, 85%, 15% loan to value. You needed a some lenders even went down to 10%. They just, so many lenders were keen to try and get a foothold on to the buy-to-let market only for them to suffer a blooded nose when they ended up making wrong lending decisions and um, when Northern Rock crashed and uh, a whole raft of repossessions happened then the banks ended up getting a blooded nose for that. Where we sit at the moment is a 25% loan to value generally. Unlikely that that's going to, in the foreseeable future, come down anything near the 85% as it previously was. You used not to have to demonstrate an income. Generally now the lenders will insist that you've got some sort of income coming in. Probably best to speak to a mortgage broker about that just to make sure they um, know exactly well, they will know exactly what income that you need to get from recollection. I think you were talking about something like £25,000. Uh, the next thing is that the rent that you're charging, that has to be, again, sorry for talking generalities, but 125% um, higher than the mortgage. So if your mortgage is £100, say, you need to be charging £125 as far as rent is concerned you need to do the maths. Uh, it's as simple as that. The lenders have now got savvy and they're not going to be lending money to you on a property that is at risk of uh, repossession because you're not going to be able to get the rent back to cover the mortgage. I mentioned there brokers and IFAs. I certainly think if you're dipping your toe in for the first time, it would be a sensible idea to look at getting a broker uh, they are prof the professionals in that field and they'll be able to scout out and get the best deal for you. So I would certainly recommend if you're a first time uh, investor, then go to a broker. If you need any advice as to um, brokering, then uh, give me a shout and I'll be able to direct you in the, uh, in the, right, the right direction. Um, what you've then got to look at doing is um, once you've 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 bought your first property and you're looking for your second property, then what you need to do is you need to either go back and and remortgage or, or capital raise off the back, and that's where capital growth is so important that if you are looking to try and uh, use your first investment as a lever to your second investment, then you need to go for a capital play insofar as what you need to ensure is that you get quick capital growth. Again, that's not as easy as it sounds. Um, first of all, you're going to have to pay through the nose probably for a property that is going to obtain good, strong, early capital growth. 
um, and it, these kind of properties are, are very much like hen's teeth. So again, an estate agent would be a wise person to speak to to ensure that you made uh, sure and got the right deal. Next, what we're going to talk about is a bit on the legals and then on to lettings. When you enter the world of buy-to-lets, you also enter into a morass of legal niceties that you need to be aware of because ultimately if you fall foul of these, then uh, prison might be the next port of call for you. Uh, it is and can be that serious. Um, buying a property to invest in, uh, there are certain legal requirements. Um, now, some of these legal requirements um, need to be followed once you've bought the property and some of these legal requirements need to be followed even before you draw down the funding from the bank. What I'm talking about here is, again, generally, most lenders will insist that you register with the local authority as a private landlord. That's a pretty straightforward process and something that you can easily do. Um, just a case of going down onto the, the webs and uh, going in and, and doing what you need to do with the local authority. Uh, they've all got websites these days. And the next thing is that you'll need to think about a lease in the event that uh, the property is already leased out, that's the one that you're going to buy is already leased out, then your solicitor should be looking at the lease just to make sure that there is what is known as an AT5 form. Uh, if you don't know what an AT5 form, you should certainly Google that. It is absolutely imperative. That's probably one of the most important things uh, and, and something that first-time landlords uh, probably don't understand a great deal about. Uh, again, if you'd like me to explain that further, then uh, drop me an email and I can certainly do that. But if you don't get an 85 form, which is a form that the tenants have to sign before they actually take on the lease, and in fact, before they sign the lease, uh, then you could be running into all sorts of bother. I'll probably do another podcast on the niceties of, of lease legislation and 85 forms, but certainly remember the words 85 form. If you're going into the buy-to-let game, then 85 form, you should certainly know what that means. Once you've bought the property, then uh, you need to, and you've registered with the local authority, if you don't have a lease in place, you've then got to make sure that you get your tenants, get your tenants to sign and ex uh, give them the AT5 form, then get them to sign up to a lease. You're probably looking at something like a six-month lease or a 12-month lease. It's certainly got to be for, for it to be a short, assured tenancy. You need to make sure that you have got a... Um, a lease which is more than six months old. If your property is provi it provides gas, then you need to get a gas safety certificate so your local plumber can uh, organise this. You're probably talking about something in the region of £60 or so to get a gas safety certificate. Then you've got to look at uh, if you've got any electrical items, it would be wise to get those uh, tested just to make sure that they comply and again if you've got a gas boiler then I would be suggesting getting a carbon monoxide tester. I think these days and it won't be before too long that hardwired smoke detectors will be a requirement 
uh, what I would be suggesting is to get the fire brigade out to your property and they'll do a once over just to make sure that you've you're complying with the necessary legislation and they'll give you some free smoke detectors. And finally, uh, on the legal side of things, you've got to get your deposit. Uh, once you've got your deposit, then long gone are the days where you just pop that into your bank. Um, nowadays, you've got to get uh, a deposit scheme and that money goes into a government-backed deposit scheme. Really, the reason for that coming about was because a lot of landlords were, or rogue landlords, should I say, were pocketing the money. Um, there was a, or heard of um, a scam that the landlords used to run, which was they kept all the deposits. What they ended up doing was they used those deposits for. Uh, deposits on other properties and so the as letting agents um, or, or landlords what they ended up doing was they used all of those deposits to put down a, a, a deposit on another property probably a property that they could easily turn because they've always got to have a mind that if their uh, tenant leaves they're going to have to return the deposit so it allowed them uh, some very good cash flow certainly if you've got you know, 50, 60, 70 flats, um, and you're holding £500 for every flat, then, you know, you can do the maths yourselves. And uh, it's it's quite a, a lucrative, um, um, well, it is, it's, it's a, a large amount of money. And, and with that large amount of money, you could probably put it in the bank and earn some interest, or you could make the money work for you. And I think that was one of the reasons why a lot of um landlords or letting agencies um, went to the wall because in 2007 when we had the property crash um, the lucrative investments did not various lucrative investments didn't come off for uh, letting agents etc and when they lost money they then couldn't repay their uh, landlords and in the end the landlords lost out so you've got to be very, very careful and wary as far as um, the legals are concerned. Um, five points there are you need to register with the local authority. You need to make sure you get your lease and your AT5 form. Your gas safety certificates is a no-brainer. Electrical testing and carbon and monoxide, again, a no-brainer. And then the deposit, well, that's the law. And you've got to make sure that you get into the deposit scheme. Having done uh, legals, I'm now on to the next L, which is lettings. Um, I mentioned there letting agents. Uh, you can do one of two things. You either go down the route of employing a letting agent. You'll probably pay somewhere between 8 and, and 9%. Uh, so they will skim off 8 or 9% of the rent and for that they will manage the property for you. They'll still probably need to phone you just to make sure that you're happy with certain repairs or maintenance being carried out but they will look after the property for you, deal with any maintenance issues and their job really is to take the headache out of managing the flat yourself. As a first timer you probably would want to get a letting agent involved um, I certainly decided 
because I'd had experience in the uh, buying and selling that I would do it myself and I continue to do it myself. Uh, I, I think it's a very good education that you get from doing something like that yourself. What you may want to do is is possibly do it yourself, get a, a, an arm load of uh, trades. And I, I think if you are going to do it yourself, that's probably the most important thing that I learned was that you need to get a whole lot of trades, get a good team behind you so that if you have a problem and the tenant does phone you up in the middle of the night, you don't have to go out and uh, fix the radiator. Uh, if you've got a strong team of uh, tradesmen, so you're looking at the air electricians, certainly plumbers, um, general builders, uh, that's the team that you want to make sure that you have to hand because the last thing, as I say, you want to do is to get out of your scratcher at three o'clock in the morning and go around and have to uh, fix a fridge or something like that. If you're doing it yourself, you're clearly not having to pay your um, your eight percent, and you really it's it's up to you. You 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 take your choice. Uh, for for some, they're quite happy to go out and and be involved and, and hands on. Uh, for others, they just in it uh, just as a pure investment and just don't want to get their hands dirty. I think when you are involving a letting agent, one of the the big benefits of a letting agent is that they'll provide a finding service and they'll take up references, they should organise the leases themselves and ensure that at least the legals are correct. So they should have uh, a proper uh, lease that you can rely upon. They should be able to, certainly should know all about AT5 forms and the localities of that. So uh, that's uh, letting agents do it yourself or or get somebody involved again. because I, I've been in this game for 20, 25 years, please don't hesitate to give me a call or email me, contact me in, under the usual auspices, and I can certainly give you some assistance if that is required. So we've gone through there the the lettings, we've done the, the intro, uh, the finding, the funding, the legals and the lettings, um, and and that's pretty much it. Uh, so there you go. That's my take on the buy-to-let market. Uh, taking taking the leap is probably the most difficult thing. Uh, I remember um, buying my first flat in Rupert Street, and I honestly thought that it was going to be a devil of a job trying to find a tenant. I was lucky enough in so far as Rupert Street is not that far away from the university, and I think I had to wait maybe a week. I was lucky enough to be renting the property out at the right time, i.e. September time. Again, that's something that you need to be aware of as to the rental market is cyclical. Uh, Students will be looking for flats around anywhere between July, September and October. Um, If you're after the student market, that's really when you get into that. Um, Dead time is probably around about Christmas uh, and the best time, as I say, if you're not in the legal if you're not in the, the student market, you're probably talking about uh, to January and February. If I can give you any assistance on buy to let, uh, I've got a, a number of buy to let investments. So um, and as I say, I've been in the game for 10 or so years. So delighted to answer any queries that you've got.
that's us coming up to the end of the second show. Uh, next show I'm going to be doing an interview, so if you would like to come on to the show and, uh, and do an interview, then please do get in touch with me. Uh, anybody who's got an interest in property, delighted to have a chat with them, and uh, we'll put you on the next show. Uh, just uh, in a, a couple of minutes, I'll give you the details of how to contact me. As I'm coming up to the end of the second show, probably a good idea just at this stage to tell you a wee bit more about myself. I'm a solicitor, as you'll already be aware. I have been doing this job for 25 years or so. Um, I'm married. I've got two girls. Both are, um, well, they are 11 and 13. Uh, We live in Glasgow. Uh, I went to school in Glasgow, went up to Aberdeen for four or five years to study there. Uh, Before I became a solicitor, I tried my hand at at, uh, playing cricket professionally. Uh, That didn't work out, Uh, didn't get a contract, so ended up having to go to Aberdeen to to study the law, open the books and and get my my head into that. Uh, I've played some rugby in my time and uh, after uh, turfing the cricket once the, the girls were born, then I tried my hand at marathon running. Uh, and triathlons I think at the last count I'd done about seven marathons and various uh, triathlons ranging from your sprint distance your Olympic distance which is the one that the Brownleys do uh, onto something that's called uh, half Ironman and then Ironman I did an Ironman in 2013 which is swimming 2.4 miles uh, cycling 112 miles and then running a full marathon of 26.4 Uh, all sounds a bit crazy uh, and even more so when you realise that you have to do that in one day. So I survived that um, and uh, I don't know whether or not I'll end up doing another one of those but uh, marathon runnings are still uh, of interest and uh, I'll probably end up getting one done next year. Uh, I've got about half a dozen flats um, in the Glasgow area that I rent out so I've got a fairly good understanding of the buy-to-let market. now, non-business goals, what I've got, I um, always try and make my goals for the coming year and uh, my non-business goal is really to try and crack out a sub-three marathon. Uh, when I say sub-three, that's sub-three hours. Uh, I've got a PB at the moment of a I did Boston Marathon in 2011, I think, um, and I've got a PB around about two, uh, 311, 2.11. <laughs> Certainly wouldn't be doing this podcast if it was two eleven. Um no, it's it's three eleven. So um we're gonna try and do that. I've been trying to crack a, a sub three out for probably about two or three years, but it's never really been been possible. So I'll keep you uh, abreast of how the training is going. I'll probably just do a wee bit at the end of each podcast just to keep you updated. Not too sure which one I'm gonna do, but uh, as I say, I'll keep you advised on that. So as I say, that comes to the end of the second programme. If you'd like to contact me, then uh, here are the five ways to do this. You can go through the website, that's www.thebricksandmortarpodcast. You can find me on LinkedIn. We've got the Facebook page. Uh, Just type in onto the Facebook search bar, Bricks and Mortar. Obviously on the emails, J-G-A-W, that's J-G-A-W, 374 at gmail.com. And the Twitters, so we're looking at G Williams, GG. And that's it. Five ways for you to get in contact with me. As I say, I'm looking for somebody to interview, so please drop me a line if you'd like to do that. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, with another interview uh, in the next show, 
So see you next time on the Bricks and Mortar podcast, changing perception on the buying process. <laughs>